0: Welcome back to the Health in Motion podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Alexis. And I'm Evie. And today we're gonna jump into our breath work. So if you follow me on Instagram or have been talking to me, you know that I had a breath work workshop at my office space this past weekend that was uh, led by James Fryer. He is our friend in Columbus and he came down to lead that. Um, So thanks again to everyone who joined. It was really fun and really nice to come together to work on something like this. And it's just very important for us to realize the impact that breathwork can have. Um, I certainly didn't know it until I attended one of his workshops and I was hooked ever since because I realized that that might be a missing puzzle piece for myself. So, you know, overview of the weekend is we started out with some education, started out with, you know, why this is important, how to do it. started out with a CO2 tolerance test, which is basically finding out how much CO2 you can tolerate because they found that people who have a low tolerance to CO2 have higher anxiety, they have more difficulty with breathing, they have more panic attacks. So you want to have a high tolerance to CO2, you don't want to be resistant to it. So what I mean by that is when you are maybe, you know, we've all kind of at one point probably had our head held underwater when we were kids in the pool or whatever and you kind of get that panic of oh my gosh like i'm like i need i need air right now well if you can build up your tolerance to co2 in your body there is no panic at that point because you know that i'm fine i can hold my breath for longer mm-hmm. our lungs have that capacity to do that so it's just reminding ourselves that we have the capacity to do that so with the co2 tolerance test you can really see how tolerant you are to having more CO2 in your body. So that way you don't get that panic when you can't take a breath. So in order to do that test, you would take a few breaths. I do about four or five slow controlled breaths in through the nose, out through the nose. And then once I am at that last breath, I will um, start a timer at my exhale and I will time how long I can prolong that exhale. So I go as slow as humanly possible until I feel like I've gotten everything out. So when I am done exhaling, I stop the timer and I see where that is. So when I first did that, I was at maybe 15, 16 seconds, Mm -hmm. which is not very long. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I really need to increase that because that might be a reason why I feel like I can't hold my breath for very long periods of time. And so That now that I've been doing breath work for about three, four months, I did it on Saturday with the group and I got up to 36 seconds.
1: That's awesome. So that was really, really cool
0: to see the difference in those months of like, I'm much better at holding my breath and I'm much better at having that CO2 tolerance. So now I feel like I don't have that reactive um, state anymore. You know, I'm not as reactive when it comes to stuff because I can just chill and get that. I can hold my breath yeah. if I need to. And I have a slower breath. Because when we had James on our podcast, he mm-hmm. also said that the ideal amount of breaths per minute is 5.5. 5. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. And if you've read the the book breath, breath by James Nestor, yeah, he goes way into that. And yeah, that's really challenging if you yeah. pay attention to how many and what our normal res- respiratory rate is. It's about
0: 13 yeah. plus 13, high. 14, I mean, yeah. I'm at about 13 point something based yeah. on what my, ring, my aura ring tells me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just the idea is to slow down the breath. And yeah. I truly believe if you can control your breath, you're going to control your life because you'll ultimately control how you react to things. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. So if you're comfortable doing that, like I said, with the CO2 tolerance test, there's also something called bolt test. Those are different things. But CO2 is you take a few deep breaths in through the nose, out through the nose. And then once you get to that last one where you feel comfortable, once you inhale, start the timer as you exhale, and then stop the timer when you're done exhaling. And that's going to be how much CO2 your body can tolerate at that time. So uh, try that. Let us know yeah. what you think and how that goes. Um, but that's our little breathwork segment for today.
1: Yeah. And write that down and then go back a few months later and see if you've improved like Evie did.
0: Yeah. And one thing to keep note of too, is make sure you're testing in the same type of environment, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to lie down on your first test, make sure you lie down the next one Yeah, yes. or, you know, don't Great do point. it right after a workout if you did it in a relaxed state before. So keep as many variables the same. So yeah. that way you have, you can really compare the two. Awesome. All
1: right. And then before we get started with our guest today, we're also going to talk real quick about our health challenge from Chris from the hydration station. So he challenged everyone to increase their water intake. Um, I will say this is something that I am typically pretty good about. Um, My one challenge is at work, if I'm wearing a mask, remembering to drink water. I didn't realize how much like I sort of would just take a sip. And then when it was so inconvenient, I would be so dehydrated when all this first started. And I went back in the office, I was so dehydrated at the end of the day. Cause I just wouldn't pull my mask down to take a drink. Um, so I try to be very aware of that. Um, but typically I'm pretty good. I don't track how much water I drink. Um, you know how I feel about writing things down. <laughs> yeah, I just don't do it. Um, but I do, um, I am usually very good and I can always tell when I'm behind on my water. And so I try and pick it up in the afternoon.
0: What does that feel like when you're behind on your water? Um,
1: I will usually feel thirsty, but I'll also feel like almost a little like nauseous, even if I am super dehydrated. Um, but I can usually just, I don't know, my body just feels different. And then as soon as I drink a glass of water, I feel better.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. It's like filling your battery. I, mm-hmm. I get this like weird headache where yeah, I'm like, like kind of sleepy, too. like my eyes are really mm-hmm. hard to keep open. And then once I drink, it's like I perk right right back up. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I do always bring a water bottle with me and I try and keep track of like how many of these have I had today and I sort of know where, depending on which water bottle I have, like how many of those I need to be at to feel good.
0: Yeah, same here. It was interesting because even though it's summer and it's super hot and humid here in Cincinnati, you'd think that I would want more water, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like because I'm on the go so much this summer, it's like I'm kind of forgetting. So Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I did, we were in California last week and or I guess two weeks ago now and and I made sure that we had a water everywhere we went. So if we were yeah. on the train, we bought a water before we got on there because mm-hmm. I could just feel myself getting in the habit of like, let's get an iced coffee <laughs> oh, yeah, you're checking out all the coffee shops or let's get a yeah. matcha. Vacation
1: is really hard because yes. you kind of give yourself permission to like try different things and drink different things. And it's hard to remember to drink water.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know how you're doing with your hydration. I talk a lot about charging your water with minerals. So hopefully that's been helpful for you too. But we'd love to hear what you do to get creative to increase your hydration.
1: All right. So without further ado, we're going to get started here. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Kayla Hansman, also known as Cincy Fit Foodie. (laughs) Kayla is a registered dietitian. She's a group fitness and Pilates instructor and all around awesome entrepreneur. So thank you so much for being here, Kayla. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
2: I'm so excited. And Evie, thank you so much for having us in your space. This is awesome. Seen it on the gram, and I'm so glad to finally see it in real life. Yeah. So it's just – it's a beautiful spot up here. So if you guys get the opportunity, come – well, come check it out. Come work yeah. with Evie. And also, I'm sad that I had to miss the the Breathwork event. I actually just recommended – well, I'm recommending the James Nestor book all the time to people. And mm-hmm. I sent the Joe Rogan podcast um, with him on it to someone this past week. And I was like, listen to this, and then I just know you're going to buy the book. No kickback, but like yeah. it just – opens your eyes like breath between breath work and water which I love that you guys start mm-hmm. off with it's just like you know two of the simplest things that you can yes. do for yourself every single day and like instant game changer yeah. so
1: low-hanging fruit it yeah. doesn't have to be <laughs> super fancy but you have to be consistent yeah. with it yeah
2: That's the most challenging part.
1: So to get started, let's talk a little bit about what got you into dietetics, nutrition and and fitness and all of that. So just a little bit of your background and your story.
2: So it's funny. And I usually start off this, the whole topic of talking about where, you know, how I got into it with the fact that as a child and as even a young adult, I was super picky eater. Mm, Like mm -hmm. I, you know, lived off of, bagels, cream, cheese, diet, Coke, and Cheez-Its in college. And, you know, not that that's, I still love and, and enjoy those things, <laughs> yeah. lean into that, but, um, I didn't really cook too much. I like, didn't really try new foods. I was very much so like a, I would, what I call now a mentally, p- mentally picky eater. It's like, Oh, why don't you like mushrooms? I don't know. I don't like them. Like I was just, that person would never try things. Um, So I entered college. um, I went to SLU, St. Louis University for undergrad and entered college undecided. My mom had always kind of like pushed me in the engineering route as like, you know, a woman in science. It would be great. You're going to, you know, which I always like, like science and math, but not to the degree of like. (laughs) <laughs> being an engineer, taking five science classes yeah. at once. And, um, I love working with people. And so I was like, you know, I think I don't want this one path. Um, so SLU was great because we had a whole health science college, you know, AT, PT, OT, speech, just, they had such a, you know, wide array of health sciences. And to be honest, I didn't know nutrition could be a major until I was there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, so I can counsel people on, improve ways to eat and I can work in a hospital. I could work in different clinics and I can do all these things. Um, and I was like, okay, this is great. I want to do this. Um, and so growing up, I was active. I actually danced ballet for a while, Mm -hmm. but so, you know, I knew that there was like some key to like movement, longevity, what you put in your mouth. But again, I like had missed that piece (laughs) to some extent. (laughs) Um, so it was also kind of one of those things. I was like, this is going to be a career, but also like selfishly, I can't wait to like learn about all of it. So, um, I jumped in sophomore year, I think, and we had a food lab, we had food science, you know, all sorts of things. And so then we started cooking all of these things. Like SLU has a very, um, garden to table, like a very culinary, um, focus out there. So, You know, we started making all these different dishes and I was like, okay, well, I I have to try this. I've made it. Or like I'm, you know, doing all these like spins on things or like we grew these collards in the you know, the garden out there, like this is what food should taste like. It's amazing. So, um, that's kind of what launched me into, you know, the career, the, you know, the studies. And yeah. then ever since then, it's just been, you know, kind of immersing myself in, you know, in, on a, in all the different ways that, you know, nutrition and cooking and healthy lifestyle can, you know, impact and just be a part of everyone's life. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It was born. Yeah, <laughs> so you kind
1: of had to get over your mental pickiness yeah. by default with by your defa- classes.
2: Yeah. I yeah. I was just like I started telling myself you could and I think it was like one I I forget what. It, I know one of the foods that I was really scared and you might appreciate this heavy. I mean, it was lamb. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we made it and it was actually it was a Friday in Lent, and we made lamb. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't be eating this right now, like, especially <laughs> There was right a lot now. of things going through with that. Okay, sorry, I won't eat meat tomorrow. Um, but, you know, I was like, wow, this is great. I could be missing out on my favorite foods just because I'm scared to try them mm-hmm. or I'm scared to try them in this new, different way. I've never poached this or pickled that or, you know, so I got over that. And then I actually – my first job – in college was at a food bank where it was through, it was a national program of share our strength and it was their, um, their teaching arm cooking matters. And so we were out doing six week, six week programs in the community um, nutrition and cooking like side by side, six Mm -hmm. weeks for, we had adults. We had um, we actually did, there was a program for childcare providers, um, teens, kids, Older adults, like you name it, we did grocery store tours, everything. So in that we would we would work with a lot of kids that, you know, had never seen a zucchini or didn't know sure, what yeah. you know. And I was like, that would have been me. Yeah. yeah. So it was great, you know, working with them on like trying different things and, you know, kind of setting parameters of like, you can't say ooh, you know, the different <laughs> things like that. Just just we all we ask is you try it. And so that was that was still one of my favorite jobs that
0: then I like got to volunteer with them later down the road in
2: Chicago. So it was cool. It was a a phenomenal program.
0: How often do you think this happens for people, even as adults that they're like, I just don't like that, that mental pickiness, or you feel like, you know, you probably are missing out on something. And I just think that's very, very common. I don't know. Maybe I feel like Cincinnati has picked up its food scene in the last few years. And so I think that's probably helped people. Mm -hmm, Absolutely has. Yeah. And I think, um,
2: Oh, how often does it happen? A lot. I live with it. <laughs> um, I joke. Well, no, I not joke. It's for real. Johnny is a shout out to Johnny. He's a great man and individual, but he's a very picky eater in some ways. He's definitely gotten better and he has this he thinks that every, your palate changes every 5 years. And I think you just mature and you're like, I just I can eat this yeah. now, you know. Yeah. But um I think there's a lot of that. You know, I, I I think a lot of it is what we grew up with. Um, and you know, taste, taste does evolve, you know, our palate sure. changes taste, but you know, but, um, I think there's a lot of what you grew up on and like learned behavior of, you know, I never saw my mom touch that, or, you know, my dad wouldn't eat this with that. And mm-hmm. so some of it's learned behavior and just what's reinforced as, as a child. So, um, you know, now as also a, as a pediatric dietitian, like, seeing, you know, infants that are trying foods and how do right. we encourage that? And how do we, you know, try to un, not unlearn, but how do we instill in some of these behaviors of like openness, acceptedness, and like trying new foods. So I tell kids this, I tell adults this, sometimes it does really take 10 exposures mm-hmm. of a food mm-hmm. for you to visually, you know, taste it, you know, all the ways to like kind of accept and like it. So, yeah,
1: that makes me feel better. Cause sometimes I feel like a crazy person continuing to put things in front of my kid that no, he won't eat, but I'm like, I feel like there. if I don't keep encouraging him to try them, he's never going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, our pediatrician said like when he, you know, when they're like baby babies, I'll pretty much put anything in their mouth. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. by the time they're 18 months, they start to lose that, yeah. um, like drive to just put things in their mouth. And so then they start to seem like they're picky eaters, mm-hmm. but it's really like before they
2: just don't really care. Yeah. Um, it's this new thing that they are yeah. just like, oh, wow. And oh, textures.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. This yeah, is yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, put yeah. this in my mouth. So it, textures are different. And sometimes like I'll serve him things warm versus cold and see what that does. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like sometimes I put something in front of him that two days ago he, he loved. loved yeah. And today
2: he won't touch it. Right. So I'm like, oh, we just keep trying. Yeah. That's why I tell people with, like, the things that they've seen that they don't think kids like. It's like, well, they, twi- you know, plot twist every yeah. other day. with Oh, my gosh. New. He so totally just-
1: does. It's so bizarre. It's like I'll put something in front of him and it's like his – I'm like, this is his favorite food. And then two days later, he won't touch it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what in the world
2: yeah. is this? So that's good to know that. And, like, even – Hey, that's normal. It's but- <laughs> normal. And I think I even get that way with myself. Like, some days I'm like, oh, I love – you know, salmon, and then in two days, I'm like, I don't want salmon.
1: So I mean,
2: it's it's also just like what you're craving in that moment. And that child might not be craving those sweet potatoes. So yeah, I think sometimes we don't (laughs) allow children
1: to have the same types of um, like feelings that we do. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's such an interesting way to think about it. Like, he's not craving this right now. Yeah. This doesn't sound good. Well, yeah. that happens to me sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I'll plan something for dinner and then I'm like, this doesn't sound good. We're yeah. going to have something else. Yeah. Of and course I... <laughs> that can happen for a toddler, too. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: if you think about it, too, we get to choose, like, if we might wake up, like, I'm going to have salmon tonight. And then the day goes on, you're like, I'm going to switch to chicken. Yeah. We make that choice. But the kid doesn't get Mm-mm, a choice no. because they're just being fed stuff and they're just having it put in front of them. So they can't yeah. choose, like, you know what? I'd actually really actually have the salmon today. <laughs> That's would <his anchor> and- <laughs> Right, yeah, right. <laughs> they're not going to communicate yeah. that to you. No, so it not looks at like all. they're being picky, but they just maybe know what they want and it's not what's not being that. served.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that it's just such an interesting perspective. And I think it's hard as a parent because, like, planning meals for yourself, and my husband's also picky. So I totally empathize yeah, with yeah. living with a moderately picky eater <laughs> for the most part. I'll eat what I make, yeah, but yeah. sometimes it is like, I'm tired of this meal or, you know, he's picky about vegetables and how they're prepared. So I've tried to play around with that. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, if I make this differently, do you like it a little bit more? You know, sometimes that can make a difference or sometimes he likes certain things for lunch, but not for dinner or vice versa. I don't don't know. know. So anyway, like playing around with those things and then even just, um, you know, keeping in mind that, yeah, it's frustrating when you make a meal for your kid and they don't eat it, but you just have to keep putting stuff in front of them. Yeah, So yeah, it's discouraging, but you have to do <laughs> yeah. it. right?
0: So with all of that, I think it's another thing that's interesting that we should talk about is you started trying more things when you were part of the growing process of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's
0: really important for people is maybe they can start trying new vegetables if they grow them. Yeah. Maybe grow some herbs and try that, throw yeah. that on your salad or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Seeing that can that be process, a gateway.
2: Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the same thing can be said for like, I don't know if you have a child, you obviously love that child. Like you helped create that and you just automatically have this like buy-in of like, mm-hmm. I put the time in on this. You know, I'm, you know, there's just the, the that instant connection of like, it is yours. You own it. You know, you you yeah. lean into it a little bit more. But right. and like a simple herb garden or like, you know, tomato plant, like the initial might be a little bit. But then with most, with most things that you're growing, it's you know, just kind of, it's not, it's not as much work as you think. Although I'm not saying you have to go grow all your vegetables, yeah. but you know,
0: it's right. It's, it doesn't have to be, and no. it doesn't have to be very expensive. Sure. No. You might buy the supplies or the stuff up front, but after that, it's really about the love and the yeah. care that you yeah. give to the plant and mm-hmm. it's going to do what it's supposed to do for sure. Kind of yeah. like our bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what inspired you to start posting all of this stuff on Instagram? Basically, another word to ask another way to ask this is how'd you become the Cincy Fit Food? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, so it was oh gosh. So it actually kind of dates back to like post grad, right away after grad school. Um, a friend of mine, one of my like best friends from grad school, we both had graduated. She lived in Nashville at the time. I had just moved back here and we had been toying around with doing, you know, like, oh, let's do this Instagram thing. And like we created an account together and we were, you know, posting and sharing and creating recipes together. Um, and I even went down to Nashville one weekend and we had like this whole thing. We made all these all this food. And then it kind of got to a, a turning point where, you know, she wanted to start doing you know, her own business and coaching mm-hmm. and things like that down there. And so she's like, I think I'm gonna, you know, I want you to keep doing this, but like I'm gonna create another handle. And so I was like, okay, yeah, like I, you know, appreciate that, blah, blah, blah. Please do it. Like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to have a by city, you know, yeah, business of, you know, then you wanna start getting clients, whatever. So then for a while I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do with this and I had started working at Children's at the time, too, so I was like, okay, I don't have time for this. And then it was always an outlet and a hobby of, like, creating things, sending it to people. And um, so I was toying around with names for a while, and it was actually through Laura that she had said there's this girl down here that has this account, Nash Fit Foodie, or something. I was like, Oh, I guess I could do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> since he fit foodie was born. Yeah. Um, just cause I had at the time I'd started teaching fitness classes when I was here and, you know, people had kind of argued like, don't, don't associate with the city because if you travel and I'm like, well, no, this is where I live. Like, yeah. you know, have hometown pride. So it was since he fit foodie was born and now I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe I should have like a more professional sounding name. And, I can't. I, I think can't. it works. It's, it's attached. No, yeah. We're, we're, we're it. No, so I think
0: it works. And yeah. you've done a lot with that too. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like the Cincy salad week was yeah. not that long ago. And yeah. it sounds like you've really been able to, to do a lot of community stuff with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's been, you know,
2: I, and never wanted to like make any of it like, a, you know, oh, Cincy Fit Foodie's putting on Cincy. And no, it's like, you know, I've I've always probably been a better promoter of other other people's things yeah. than my own self-promotion. Um, but, you know, I think it's just a, I love bringing people together and, like, showing off foods or restaurants or things like that. Yeah. Or even things you can do it in your house and, like, surprising yourself. So it has been, a, you know, a really great, you know, hobby. But then also just the people you meet and the things you can do through – you know, through Instagram, are amazing. I think we've talked about this. Like when you meet someone and you're just like, oh, you are steam. Who you exactly are on yeah. Instagram in real life? Like it's kind of cool to see and, that. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know meeting all of the people that you're like you really connect with online, and you're like,
0: oh my gosh, yes, she's as cool as she is in person, yes. or whatever. is fun. I think I think um, there's a lot of you know bad things about social media for sure, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of good things in that way too, especially in the health and wellness. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I feel like I just kind of walked into this a little bit, not late, but just later than most people, because I was still teaching for a period of time. And Mm -hmm. so I had followed a lot of people like you and like other people in the health and wellness space in Cincinnati. And I just felt like, well, how am I going to get in with them? Like, like, how do I like, you know, become peers with these people? And, um, I just think Instagram has been very helpful in that way because it's kind of given you an in, in a way you can start talking or responding to a story and then that's like you're in and then you end up meeting at an event and you're like, I already kind of know you, so it's not as awkward and... I just think there's a lot of benefit to that.
2: Mm-hmm. There's yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's a place where you can, and I think we forget this, and I even forget this, like curate your experience, right? Yeah. I mean, the things you interact with is what you're going to see more of. Um, and you can mute people. You yes, can, you, you know, can. <laughs> unfollow things that mm. are making you feel a certain kind of way. Um, and I, you know, always appreciate that I can go to your account and see like delicious food, but it's also just like, It's good information. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm bombarded with, like, things that don't make me feel good, if that makes sense. Like, there's just so much of that on social media. So I love that you've kept that, like, this is my goal with this account. This is what I'm doing with this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've been very, like, true and authentic with that. Throughout time, which is really awesome. Well, thank so. you. Um, <laughs> so, what things? Um, I know you talked a little bit about. You know, you've done some like pediatric dietetics, and yeah. you're doing some of that. So, what all are you
2: doing now? What are you offering? What types of things do you have going on? For sure. So, I do. I'm working at Children's, so I'm part time dietitian there, Um, and that is just. It's. I love the people and the patients I get mm-hmm. to work with there. You know, we truly are blessed to have this hospital and yeah. the city and the research Absolutely. and the growth and all the opportunities there. So I love, you know, when I get to go in there and put on that hat and, and work with all the providers and the patients there. Um, and then outside of that, I do, um, some like odds and end contract work with a couple companies just with like, you know, some recipe development, um, And some video work and that kind of really took off a little bit with um, with COVID because I had been doing some in-person videoing and stuff for um, they're actually in a lot of doctor's office waiting rooms Mm -hmm. and um, print materials. And so it's kind of funny. It filters through the tri health circuit. Oh, okay. And so a lot of my friends that are either delivering there or, you know, in for random appointment, like my dentist saw me in his doctor's <laughs> office. He's like, so are you making some breakfast and the doctor? I was like, Oh yeah, that's so Do funny. Do you guys need a video here? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so And we kind of pivoted with that for, um, with COVID, you know, I got some stuff to be able to do some of the videos at home and make some recipes and things like that. So, um, that's been like general recipes, um, oncology specific recipes, some diabetic recipes. So they, they even have some like print materials so I can kind of like read and review through that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a lot of different facilities across, you know, the tri-state area, also might need, like, a dietitian to review menus for state adequacy every so oh, often. Yeah. So I do some of that, which is kind of fun. I love just, like, pairing foods together and then just, like, you know, mm-hmm. checking all the boxes for, for meal adequacy. Um, and then I do work with the YMCA now, too, oh, with okay. some of their, you know, some of their videos, some of their um, – their programming across you know whether it's they have a um a strong life like facebook community group and they do different challenges within that so being able to kind of be like the the meal and the recipe nutrition like expert or whatever you want to call it for that yeah. has been cool too cuz it's it's Full circle, I was camp counselor at a Y at in, like, my first job in high school. So, I'm like, oh, I get to work with the Y again. Like, it's just such a good group of people. Yeah. And, you know, coming from, you know, all levels of fitness from, like, you know, Rider or die. They've been a, a Y member since, like, they were five to, like hey, I'm going to join a community. And it's, it's, it really is truly like such a good community there. Like the people that have, you know, like go to the classes and take all the things it's, so it's been cool to kind of like break and emerge into that, that group that like, it truly, I'm learning more from them than, you know, they are from me type thing. So. And you are also still teaching some fitness as well. Yes. Teaching some fitness. So I do, Another COVID win was I finally got, did what I had been saying I would wanted to do for a while. I got balanced body, nice um, certified in reformer one, two, and three, the chair and barrel and um, tower. And so you did it all teaching, <laughs> teaching and instructing with that. So I would say right now I probably do. Um, so I teach out of purpose Pilates mm-hmm. up here in um, Madeira and we do, I do. I'm only teaching about one class a week, but I do a lot of privates and intros. So for individuals that want to get into classes that have never hopped on a reformer before, we do like Mm. a a series of three so that you can kind of get more acclimated. You learn some of the principles, the breath work. Just – feeling comfortable so you're not going into a class like what are we doing
1: here right some of it I think with Pilates is like terminology too of Mm -hmm. the reformer yeah so those privates before you go into a group class are so important so you're not looking around like Like, what "What am am I I doing doing? yeah Yeah.
2: or I remember like when I first did a yoga class and you know there's certain things that like people I always assumed like oh you have to flip your toes this way to get into that and like I never I always like Please, someone dumb this down for me over here. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. I don't, don't know. Assume what I that know nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so the the the, cl- the classes there are great, um, and you know, being able to jump in with the private. So yeah. as a former dancer, like it, I think just like the choreography, the movement, the lines. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It speaks and speaks to you, yeah, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Like yoga, like so many things. You know, I think. It's it just makes everything else you do in life better. Like mm-hmm. whether you're a runner, you strength train, or you, you know, just or you're pre or postnatal. Right. It's, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just such a good adjunct to Mm -hmm. everything. So that's one thing I
1: will say when I was pregnant, like towards the end, my like one Pilates session a week was like the only thing I was still doing all the way up to pretty much when I delivered, Mm -hmm. it started to not feel good to lift weights anymore. Like things just weren't feeling great the last like month. Um, but I felt like I was able to reconnect to my core a lot easier afterwards. And I think I would have been able to, if I hadn't continued to do Pilates throughout Mm -hmm. my pregnancy. So and I only went, I did that once a week, And I was doing other things. Um, So it wasn't like I had to go every single day, Um, but it was so nice to be able to focus on that breath. And I could really feel like what felt good and what didn't feel so good. And we could make those adjustments in those private sessions. So it was awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate of like pre and
2: postnatal Pilates. I think it's really helpful. And at least with, I know, Balanced Body, the certification we went through, I mean, every single movement pattern and Mm -hmm. sequence we go through, we talk about the or the different ways that you can, you know, change or enhance for someone that's pre or postnatal yeah. and certain things that are no-no's. And, right. you know, in my former fitness life, I would be like, oh, <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to admit that. I was like, oh, whoops, I wouldn't have known that. Right. Was, yeah, know, absolutely. even just like a cue that can help someone mm-hmm. feel a little bit more confident in that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's wonderful. awesome.
1: So one of the things I want to touch on that I'm sure we'll all have a lot to say about this, but you are someone who like pieces together Mm -hmm. what you're doing, which I love because I think that so many, and I was sort of in this mental state for a long time of like, I have to pick this one thing and commit all of my time and energy to that one thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're sort of like your identity gets wrapped up in that a little bit. Um, So I love that you sort of dabble in these like different areas of nutrition Mm -hmm. um, and also fitness. And so you're sort of piecing these things together and you kind of have this even though you're working for children's part-time, you also have this entrepreneurial journey, which (laughs) is, you know, so interesting. And so what do you feel like kind of inspired you to like step outside of the box? Was there like a certain thing or do you think that's just sort of who you are?
2: I think it was funny because i if you're listening to this and you're thinking about don't listen to me. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. But everything that I had listened to about like growing your business and doing all this was like mm-hmm. find a niche and like yeah. lean into that and do that. Yes. And I was like, I think my niche is that I don't have a niche <laughs> Yeah, just because I like so many things and I just, you know, like having a different day every day and like being able to engage with different people and, you know, just, you know. I think that there is obviously a very, you know, important side of being able to say no and set boundaries, Mm -hmm. but also I'm like, Oh, I just love all the things. So I, I, you know, want to do what I like to do. Um, but I think a lot of it goes, you know, back to, you know, how I was raised and the opportunities and like my mom always pushing me to like, you can you can do anything that you want to do. Like, Mm -hmm. there is no limit to that. And she supported us growing up, you know, in that mindset of like, if you want to play the tuba, you play the tuba, like, we'll figure it out. We'll do it, you know, um, and supporting, you know, with all that. So, and my brother is also an entrepreneur. And Mm. so seeing him do things and like, okay, I, you know, we can do this. It's cool. You know? Um, and I, I've, like you said, learned a lot along the way of, like, just because you can yeah, doesn't mean you should. And I still tell myself that a lot because I've probably – I've taken a little bit of a step back from teaching some fitness classes mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, wait a second. I, I still want to enjoy this. Yeah. And just it does – not everything has to be a career. And you can still enjoy things without yeah. – Doing them in that way, right? Um, So being a participant on the other side of things. So, um, uh, so to kind of go back to your question of like, okay, where did I see this all coming? I think when I was in grad school in Chicago, um, I took one of our rotations in my dietetic internship was a marketing rotation. Mm. And I was able to see and connect with a lot of dietitians in the community up there that were, you know, had these blogs that they had had for like 10 years already, or, you know, these different platforms and consulting firms and things that they, you know, had been doing for years and years and years before I even knew that like you could blog on your own, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so when I moved back to Cincinnati, I was like, okay, I can maybe do some of these things here. Cause it, you know, people haven't done them yet, or it's still new, or it's still catching. But mm-hmm. that was also the unique time of like it, it's still new, it's still catching. You still gotta convince some people yeah. that this is you can do this. Right. Um so, you know, I think I've always liked having that like stable ground of like, I've got a stability arm and then you know, being able to do some of the things on the side to piece together has just been, I think, who I am. And, like, mm-hmm. like my my mind likes to just, ooh, 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 jump yeah. around a little bit. Yeah. Um. So that's just, you know, kind of where I was with it. But, you know, I listen to different podcasts of, like, Don't Keep Your Day Job. And Tim yeah. Ferriss is always having people on about, you know, creating, you know, doing what you love enjoy what you love, do what you love, and the money will come kind Mm -hmm. of thing of like, you know, there there are opportunities for that. But, um, you know, just being aware, being mindful of like, you don't have to do it forever if it's really not truthfully working. There's some some learned experiences in the failure too. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. And I think that's so important because I think the things that people remember, I don't think a lot of people when it comes to like entrepreneurial stuff, right? Like the things that you share, they remember what you're sharing the most of like on social media or whatever, which is obviously your successes. Like you're going to, if something takes off, that's what you're going to share more of. But we've all had things that we've tried that I'm sure have like completely, I don't even want to say completely flop. Some things do completely flop and then other things just aren't serving you in that time, right? So What And we can all kind of share a little bit here, but like, what are some of those? I think people need to remember that like not every, just because something doesn't work doesn't mean nothing's working. Right. You can't get in your head about like, hey, I tried this thing or, you know, I wrote a blog post and only two people read it. Well, you just helped two people. Mm -hmm. So do another one. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to keep that mindset because especially in the beginning, it doesn't take off. Everybody's not watching you and oh gosh, they're so great. I'm going to listen to everything they say. It takes time. And I feel like we also probably feel like we're doing a lot of building, Mm -hmm. right? Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. So what's kind of been an experience you've had that you were like, man, maybe this wasn't really, Mm -hmm. is it serving me now? Or this didn't work the way I thought it was going to, but you kept going.
2: Yeah. Well, one, and I, I, Like you said, I don't really share this much, but like I'm very transparent about it. So my mom and I had um our company milked. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, it's not gone. It's just we're not actively selling to to individuals or doing any of the pop-ups anymore. Um, it was truthfully like the coolest thing I've ever done. And like to be able to start and do a business with my mom, who's my best friend, I was like this is the coolest thing ever. Like yeah. I'm so glad we did this. Um and so I mean COVID happened and we weren't doing any pop-ups or markets and mm-hmm. you know to to be a you know a packaged food item or like a, a good you know in order to to make the most like to 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 be fruitful in it like I was like if I'm going to do this we're going to putting in all this time to like hand make all of this stuff like I need to yeah. be all in. Otherwise, it's a lot of time for, yeah, we always made a profit or we always, you know, we were making money. Yeah. Like, and we didn't have it to advertise. Good. Like, people yeah. were friends. It was a great gift. So if anyone wants to buy, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you should share what it was. Yeah. So, some people yeah. So it was um, lactation goods for moms. Um, and also you know, good for moms, but delicious for all. Cause it was energy bites, um, Mm -hmm. muffins. We did homemade nut butters. We did smoothie mixes. I mean, another thing we did not like just do one thing. It was like, Oh sure. You want these brownies that are gluten-free and like all the things. Yeah. So it was just baked goods for moms. Um, -hmm. and I mean, I had some of the most helpful individuals, like what I learned in this whole process was like so much. Um, Emily Frank of Cher Cheese Bar, Bar, Christy White of Whirlybird Granola. They were all like, I mean, they would meet with me for coffee like so many different times and be like, okay, did you do this? And they're just like unofficial mentors that were just like, you know, we can't wait for this to happen and like see this go. And I think, you know, I was, so I am a certified lactation counselor. So I was able to kind of like pair the two together um, But like I said, I think the the one thing that I was just personally maybe not ready for was I'm not a mom and mm. I've never had a baby. Yeah. So, you know, being in the world of like, I'm not living and breathing this. It just like, it wasn't a natural mm-hmm. part of my day to day. And not that I couldn't have made it work, but it was like, okay, I'm just not there yet. Like milk's on a pause and, you know, maybe it comes back in yeah. some way, shape or form once I had having kids and yeah. I'm like...
1: Maybe that like personal passion is there a little bit more. I think that happens for a lot of um, women in physical therapy end up switching, like gearing more towards a pelvic floor niche once they have kids and they experience it themselves and see just how like bad the system is and how much you're not being served from that like PT standpoint. Um, You know, then there's people like Tyler who just fell in love with it for other reasons, but I I think you're exactly right. Like when you're not in that mom stage and Mm -hmm. you're not, You haven't experienced it yourself. It's just different. It's
2: different. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would always tell people though, even though I haven't done it, I've seen everything. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seen every single instance of, you know, this, this, or that. What struggle might come up. It's still different. So I can't even speak to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So
1: I know I was sharing before we started recording, I had another podcast with a good friend of mine from PT school and I'm a board-certified specialist in orthopedics, and there's this big exam you have to sit for for that. And some people go through residency. I did not. I just studied on my own and sat for the exam. Um, But, you know, we had a lot of success. We did two or three seasons of it. We had you know, over a thousand people listening to these episodes and studying from them. And we would, we had a little like study group that we did for a few months and it was great. And we monetized it to a certain point, but neither of us had the time or energy to get it to the point where I'm like, okay, what we're making off of this is worth the amount of time that we're putting in. And so we kind of had to pull the plug on it this year in terms of like, we're just not in a place where we can continue to commit this amount of time, both of us from a personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me with my business and what she's doing, she just took on a management role at her job. It's just too much. And, you know, I don't look at that as like, okay this was a failure. But I know for me, like I don't want to be in the space of educating other PTs. Yeah. That's just not what I want to do. That's not ever what like my page has been about. I'm all about educating the community on what PTs do, how we can help you, what type Mm -hmm. of treatments might help. Um, And I find myself when I'm talking to other PTs, I get frustrated in the arguments of like the, nitty gritty stuff. And I'm like, this just isn't where I want to be at. Yeah, yeah. So I don't look at it as a failure, but it was such a good learning experience. And I learned how to do a podcast. And so when Evie and I decided we were going to do this and I kind of proposed this to her, I was like, all right, I already know some stuff yeah. just because I've done this. Right. So it kind of served me into transitioning into this role and doing this with you. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like this is like in this podcast, even like we're reaching the type of people who I want to reach. Right. Yeah.
2: The clients, not yeah. the other PTs. Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase or the saying, like the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, truly like, you only know what the worst has ever been. And if it's only ever been like, I got a bad grade or I, this. Yeah. And then you come to this point point you're like, oh my God, my business failed. It's yeah. Like, okay. Well then that is the worst thing that's ever happened yeah. to you. And then you figure it out and you like, you know, you go mm-hmm. from there. But yeah, it kind of just like, yeah, <laughs> gets the calluses there. Right. right. Like and-, and
1: I feel like I do that with every decision I make about my business. I look at my husband and I say, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. And we just worst case scenario it. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's I don't know if that's healthy <laughs> or not. But it's like, usually at the end of the conversation, I'm like, it's worth trying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I very, very rarely come to the conclusion that something's not worth at least giving it a chance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just think we let fear stop us so often that by having that conversation and, and yeah. really thinking through like pros and cons, you realize that the cons are so minimal. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's more like you're scared of being embarrassed maybe. Right. Of yeah. Fear. Or
0: like what people think the yeah. fear that you brought up. So my mentor friend, everything that she is to me, Terea we've uh-huh. had her on the podcast yeah. early on. She told me that I mean, this isn't her quote, but she's shared this with me multiple times is that fear is excitement without breath. Hmm. And so there's a lot of times where Mm. I'm like, I'm fearful to try that, or I don't want to try. I'm scared. I'm going to fail. And I'm like, but maybe I'm just excited and I haven't yeah. taken a breath about it. Yeah. So you can look at it in that way, especially mm-hmm. with business stuff. I mean, Alexis, right. you've helped me so much with stuff. I mean, I will always think back to that conversation we had at Harvest Market in Milford <laughs> <laughs> where I was like, I'm really ready to quit teaching. But like, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of scared. I don't know if this is the time. And just the way that we talked through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And you said you have your unofficial mentors and, you know, Mm -hmm. you did when you do milked. And I think it's so important to talk to people about that because you often find, too, that you're not the only person feeling this way. Oh, yeah. or that Like, oh, they also struggle with that, too. And that's a big, big thing, especially being an entrepreneur, is Mm -hmm. that you're not alone in these. You might not have the exact same difficulties or, I don't know, hesitate on the same stuff, but you're not alone when it comes to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love your story too, because like you can change paths. You can try different things. And I think that was part of our conversation was like, this decision doesn't have to be permanent. Like, okay, you try it and it doesn't work. Then what do you do? You go back to teaching. Is that like, I mean, what do you do? Right. Like you're not going to let yourself starve or, you know, lose your home or whatever. Like you have the skills and the capacity to make a change when you need to.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that just goes, we recorded a whole podcast episode Mm -hmm. on that about career change and overcoming that fear. And if you haven't listened to that, you know, I'd love for you to go back and listen because Alexis and I both share how we got to where we are. And I think it's cool because let's be honest, in five years, we're probably going to have another one to talk to share. There's going to be a whole nother change that we've done. Right. Because I think that's, that's who we are as people, but, and we like to talk to people like that, you know, those are our types of people, but I think that's kind of our viewpoint is if you're not changing and evolving, then what's the point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: So Kayla, another question I have is, you know, with you doing so many different things and kind of having your hands, do you... do you get burnout? Do you, how do you combat that? <laughs> yeah, like, like, how do you
0: stay organized? Do you get burnout? Like yes. all these questions. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I love that your personality is when we're like, you don't like your day to look the same because I, yeah. I think that's an important thing to understand. Right? Is, yeah, like that's your personality, and so you're, you've made choices to serve you in that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah, I get burned out. I think mm-hmm. uh, in the last like even just six months a year, I've. um had to like take a couple steps back from some of the things I'm doing of like, okay, am I doing this for enjoyment or am I doing this like for what reason or like Mm -hmm. to make money? You know, is this a career? And Instagram is one of those things where I'm like, okay, you know, it takes so much time to put up all these things all the time. And it's like, what am I getting out of it? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what do I want out of it? Do I want more clients or do I want you know, people in my classes or what, you know, what am I getting out of it? And, you know, sometimes putting more is not necessarily better. So, um, I I think like setting time and parameters and prioritizing that has been big to help with, you know, the burnout thing because you know, you can scroll on Instagram for hours. So like, I've actually, to this day, I've moved it to the last screen on my phone. Mm -hmm. So unless I'm like, Scrolling over four times, I'm not going to yeah. get to it. So I have to make a conscious effort if I want to open that app. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, because that can just be a burnout in it in, yeah. in and of itself. So 100 can yeah. Setting parameters with that has has been really helpful. Um, and then also, you know, I I said this before about like saying no, and mm-hmm. so I when an opportunity presents itself, you know, I think okay would I be doing it just this one time? Or is this something that I want to make a part of? Like, I want to be a, I want this to go on my resume mm-hmm. or I want this to be, you know, something that I can like continually buy into. Yeah. And I don't want to say if I don't, then I don't do it. But if if I'm only, you know, if I'm going to do it and then when that time comes, I'm like, oh God, I have to do this. Yeah. I, just, I truly have to think, think about that because- you know, it's, I don't want to back out of things. I don't want to be a flake, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how is this going to serve me? Is this going to be, you know, fruitful and in that kind of way? So, um, settings, you know, certain parameters and just really like biting my tongue before I respond to something of like, okay, can I be, can I, can I do this? Can Mm -hmm. I, will I show up in the way that I need to show up for it to, you know, it be there. So yeah, um, and quite honestly, being, you know, mindful of, of my weekends has been huge yes. lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to teach and for the longest time, like once or twice on a weekend mm-hmm. and not really have a day off. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for some people that might sound silly, but it, it was so hard to just yeah. not have to work through the weekends all the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether that's for someone like not, you know, taking a night in or I don't, you know, I don't know how to equate that, but like just being able to be like, you need a day that's just for you mm-hmm. to just do the things that you need to do and you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if it's like, okay, I just have to be
1: here from nine to 10. It's only an right. hour. It's still a thing. It's like still it's still on thing. your calendar. You're still committed to serving other people in that, that day, even though it's only an hour, mm-hmm. it's still a lot. I mean, I think it's really important to protect that personal time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of on the same ish wavelength, how do you, um, find inspiration of what to cook for yourself or like, how do you not get burnout on on food? food? And especially when you're posting about it and yeah. you're talking about it all day, like then you get home and you're like, now I got to make dinner. Right.
2: Um, oh, well, I mean, truthfully, I probably eat the same iteration of like breakfast and lunch every Mm day yeah. Um, or like some combination and I'll just like switch a few things. But like, um, I don't, inspiration kind of comes back to in some ways I hate wasting food. And Mm -hmm. so like, if I have like a random nub of like something left, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to eat it the same way. I just ate it. So I'll just quite literally Google like weird ways to eat. potatoes (laughs) and I'd be like oh you can make a potato into like an ice cream cup like I don't know but like just like go go just kind of like um Brit and Co is a um a website and blog and they have some of like the funkiest ways to do different things oh that's cool um and when I first was doing like a little bit more of like a rhythm and routine with like posting recipes on um, Instagram, I would do like a food of the week and Mm -hmm. I would just take that zucchini and be like, listen, you can do it, you know, in your oats, you can do it, you know, as chips, you can do it this way and just show people like, you know, if you're trying to, you know, quote unquote, eat healthier, buy more fruits and vegetables, you don't have to like waste them. They don't have to go shrivel into your bottom drawer. Like there's way different ways that you can eat them and Mm -hmm. you can like them all the ways. And so, yeah, it's honestly just kind of like playing chopped in my kitchen and like thinking of like, unique pairings and just different ways to like use up like different foods to like a very bitter end. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that. And I always laugh when I see that on your Instagram of just like the random foods you jump into a bowl and I'm like, I would never think to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would never think to do that. But I guess if you Google weird ways to eat a food, you'll come up with all kinds of things. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I think that's, you know, oh, like how can I eat pasta? and I think that too is just like leftovers. Like how can Mm -hmm. I make this over into something that's like new again. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier and this is maybe this is a selfish question, but people who are looking to make like healthy meals, but they're limited on time cause they have kids or yeah. work or whatever. And then also just like the picky eaters in their house. Cause I know this is something that
2: mm-hmm. you kind
1: of deal with a little bit personally and I do too. So what types of like quick tips do you give those people?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, without, like, being a short order yeah. cook and things like that, I think what, you know, what's worked for, for us is, like, I'll have, like, the staples. Like, mm-hmm. okay, chicken tonight, and I'm going to have it, like, over a salad or in a grain bowl, and Johnny just likes it with, you know, in a quesadilla, like, or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have, like, those basics. Like, your kitchen or your refrigerator can be, like, a grab-and-go buffet of, like mm-hmm. – quick, you know, throw these together and it can be a bowl or a wrap or a salad, or, you know, I'm going to cook up this ground beef, but someone doesn't like onions. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to like take a little bit out sure. before I add that, like just like using a whole pound of beef for three mm-hmm. different things and like yeah. palatable ways for some. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that's the big challenge is like figuring out something that the whole family will eat. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And yeah. then it's like, I find I'm just going to order a pizza. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like you just yeah. throw your hands up yeah. and you're like, I can't make everyone in this house happy. And, yeah, 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 um, yeah. you know, I think we talked a little bit too,
2: about like continuing to try things. And you said, what is it? 10 times. Ten times. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. No science to the number, but I mean, there, actually there, there is science to the number a little bit, but like you, yeah. you are the expert in your own life and like mm-hmm. what anecdotal experience might've been true for someone else. Doesn't really take shape in your life, your environment, your yeah. situation. So yeah. just, you know, learn and like soak that in, but also just know like translating that into your life can mm-hmm. be, can, can look a little bit different, but yeah, you know, and even too with, with recipes and with trying foods and things with, with the exception of baking, mostly recipe is a guide. And like, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I liked how that sounds great. I've got some of these things, like just do what parts you have. Like, yeah. It's not going to, you know, make or break things mm-hmm. if it's not a science experiment. So, yeah. you know, half-baked harvest. Like, I, I get her. There's certain people I get their emails because the recipes are like, I want some combination of this. Mm-hmm. And she's one of them. Pinch of Yum is great. I mean, there's there's okay. so many. Lori, Lori Yaro, Lemons mm-hmm. and Zest. Like, if you don't follow her, go follow her. She's yeah. here. She's local. She's, you know, got great combinations. And she's got a little kid. So she, like, mm-hmm. knows, like hey, I've got no time. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think I get caught up in that too, where I'll look up a recipe and I'm like, I don't have all the things. Then you just close it out where I've tried to get better about like, okay, but do I have like something that could replace that? Or Mm -hmm. maybe does it need that?
2: Yeah. Does it need that
1: thing? Yeah. Um, And most of the time the answer is no. Yeah. You know, you can still make it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um. All right. So, Kayla, we always um, have our guests provide a health challenge of the week to all of our listeners. Ooh, okay. Do you have a health challenge that you'd like to
2: give? Yeah, I think I think we know what it has to be, don't we? I think I would encourage each and every one of you listening and with your families to either try a new vegetable this week. If you're like, I don't know a new vegetable, go through the alphabet and pick a letter. Q. I don't know. OK, I don't know why I said that. S. <laughs> Go get some different squash or, you know, spinach. I don't know. Something you haven't had ever or in a while. And if you're like, "Mm, I already bought my groceries this week, try it a different way. So whether you Mm. roast it, you, you know, pickle it, you can pickle anything in case you were wondering. Um, Try it a different way or just in a different combination. So new vegetable or try it in a different way.
0: I love it. Right. All right. Yeah. I'm like going through my head, like, okay, Uh-oh. what am I going to do this week? I know. I have a bunch of zucchini, like okay. you just said, from my garden. So I'm like, yeah. maybe I'll do some chips or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Cool. All right. Love well, it. thank you so much, Kayla, for being yes. here. It was awesome to talk and get to hear a little bit more about your story. And I think it's motivational for a lot of people mm-hmm. who might be interested more in piecing things together mm-hmm. and not having the same day over and over again. So yeah. I think that'll be helpful for everybody. Yeah. So Perfect. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much.
2: Woo.